Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Get me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast, leave a rating and a review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. All right, the Maple Leafs with a big-time W against the Montreal Canadiens 3-2 was your final, and it was milestone night. The Leafs 8-0-1 in their last nine. Barabanov gets his first NHL point. TJ Brody with his first goal as a Maple Leaf. And then the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Campbell, 32-save performance, breaks a franchise record with his 10th consecutive win to begin the season. A perfect 10-0 on the year. And to join me to talk about this game and this glorious man is the glorious man himself, Mr. Tony Ferrari, managing editor at Dauber Prospects, writer for the Leafs Nation. Tony, dude, what can you tell me about how amazing of a human and how great of a goaltender Mr. Jack Campbell is? Well, I got I, I got to wipe away the tears from my eyes first because the guy in the post game was choking up, choking himself up, and was choking me up because, like, just to see how much he loves not only being a Maple Leaf but being a Maple Leaf with this team and these guys, it 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 just gives you the feels, and you can't help but at least get a little teary eyed seeing that. Yeah, like it, it, honestly, I, at first I wasn't sure if that's what was happening, and then like I. I realized oh he's like stopping not just because he didn't hear the question or there's a delay there was a delay because he was fighting back tears and I was just like dude this guy is so nice it's it should be a crime to be that nice of a human and be that good at a sport that pays you a lot of money it really should yeah. be a crime yeah he he's just the way he's kind of come in and, and done what he's not not only done what he's had to do but going gone above and beyond and, and quite frankly he's putting up that that starter role now and I don't know what Jack's doing, but he's doing something great, and this team loves him, so you, you just got to keep riding the guy, and he's playing great. You know why they love him? You know why everyone else loves him? All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Because all I do is win, 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 win. And if you go in here, put your hands in the You know what I'm saying? Like, all this guy does is win. That's all this guy does is win. A perfect 10-0, and breaking a Maple Leafs record. Um, so we had to... Just start the show by by giving uh, giving Jack Campbell his props, and and I'm sure he will come up when we do our three stars of the game. But like I said, tonight was uh, was uh, kind of a milestone night, an interesting night. I thought the Leafs personally uh, started out pretty good. Obviously, Matthew scored uh, right away, and then Perry scored just a minute later, and all of a sudden you're like, well, it's one one. We're not even two and a half minutes into the game. Uh oh, this one's going to be a, 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 a very high scoring affair. Did not turn out to be the case. Um, you know, there was really nothing going on in the second. Uh, a very lull of a game. The Leafs just didn't wake up at all until the third period came. And then a great third period once again for Toronto. They scored a couple more goals and ended up getting the win. But, Tony, uh, what did you take from tonight's game besides Jack Campbell, obviously? 
I, I mean, it was a weird one because, like you said, you got the both teams got off to that hot start, both scoring on their first shots of the game. And then that second, the the rest of the first period felt like it was dominated by Toronto. They didn't have a huge shot lead, but they had a shot lead. They they were getting the high danger chances. You can kind of tell they were controlling play. And then in that second period, like you said, they fell asleep and Montreal kind of took over. The, the interesting thing about that second period that I found, though, when I was looking at some of the stats afterwards is that, yes, they completely dominated possession and, and they drove play to a 73% Corsi percentage, which is r- completely ridiculous in, in and of itself. But it was actually the Leafs that led that period in high danger Corsi. So it, it was interesting that the Leafs weren't getting many chances, but they did get a couple good chances, whereas Montreal was getting a lot from the outside. And when you look at kind of the shot charts and stuff afterwards, it's a lot from the face-off dots, just outside the face-off dots, up high, whereas the Leafs is typically where the Leafs is, right in front of the net, attacking that, that slot area. So it was another one of those games where even though we're seeing that opponent kind of rack up some point or rack up some shots, especially in that middle period where things kind of seem to, to lull out. The Leafs are keeping it to the outside and playing good pre- prevent defense. You'd still like to see them limit shots, obviously, but they're, they're limiting shots to the outside. And I mean, if you're going to let shots up, that's where you want to let them up. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's really been kind of the bread and butter to this team when they win games. It's it's when they're not allowing teams into the high danger areas. They're keeping teams to the outside and they're not allowing much. Like Jack Campbell, he's 10 and 0 on the year, but I could probably count on, you know, one hand how many like outstanding, amazing, holy crap saves that he's had to make. Like they've played really solid in front of Campbell and that's helped him along the way. Like he says, like I, the, the, it's not just him, you know, the group of guys in front of me and sure you could say, oh, that's just posturing, you know, that's him being a nice guy. But like it legitimately is the team in front of him playing terrific hockey. We've seen over the past couple of seasons when team defense isn't played, whether that's a total buy-in from the forwards defensively, it doesn't go very well. And we've seen that over the course of the last couple of years. And we've seen that at times this year, even, you know, when 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 Freddie's in net or, or, you know, even when Campbell has had to stand on his head a couple of times. But it hasn't been that often. And team defense has really, really, really stepped up this season. They've kept everything to the outside. And uh, it's a total buy in. And, and I think this is this. The way that this team is playing right now, they've kind of gotten back to the way that they were playing when they were on that good stretch out when they swept Edmonton. And I think that that means good things going forward for this Toronto squad. Yeah, I think the play that kind of sums it all up is the game winning goal, the eventual game winning goal by Zach Hyman. And you see Matthews deep in the defensive zone. He's making plays there and then pushing the puck up the ice himself, getting the puck out to Marner, getting the puck back. And eventually Hyman banks in the rebound. And and that's just the kind of thing you have to do, getting that the whole team to buy in defensively, get in deep, getting Austin Matthews below the goal line. Stuff like that's going to be really important for this team moving forward, especially if they want to make a long run in the playoffs. Like they may be poised to do this year. So it's going to be really interesting to see if this team can kind of keep up this kind of level of play and, and see how far they can take them. All right, let's take uh, uh, an early break here. When we come back, we will get to our three stars of the game, and then uh, we'll get some final thoughts on tonight's game. And then we actually had a trade today. Uh, Trade deadline season is officially upon us, so we'll let you know what that deal was. I'm sure you heard about it already, but we're going to break it down and let you know what we think about the deal. And then we'll also obviously like we usually do, uh, chat about uh, some some trade deadline content that has to do with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, so we'll do all that in just a couple of moments. But first, here is a message from our show sponsors, uh, betonline.ag. 
Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to the Locked on Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. Mike DiStefano, the host of this program with you alongside me. I got Tony Ferrari, managing editor over at Dauber Prospects. Uh, Maple Leafs with a 3-2 victory over the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, A fun game, a a solid two points. Uh, They've now got points in nine in a row. Uh, All right, let's go with our three stars of the game. Tony, how about you go first? Who's your third star? All right, for the third star, I got to give it to him because he's been a a, a rock all year and he finally got his first goal of the season in in TJ Brody. The the guy's done everything you could want from defensively. I I know I complained on previous episodes about him going down and stuff, but the more we watch him this season, the more I I just believe he's the anomaly and he just knows how to go down and and sprawl out and be on the ice better than anyone else in the league. So seeing him score the first goal of the season as a Maple Leaf, seeing him get excited like that, it it was a nice moment in the game filled with nice moments, and I think he's got to be my third star. Hey, he's my third star too with the exact same reasoning, man. Like, the guy went, what, 41 games, I think, before scoring a goal here for Toronto. My question is, and I posed this question online to Twitter, TJ Brody scored his first goal as a Maple Leaf tonight. Alex Barabanov assisted on that goal who gets the puck? Uh, I think that, you know, I think Barabanov gets the goal because it's the very first point of his entire career. He may never get another point if he, he's not in the lineup again this season. So it's going to be, I think he gets the puck and then TJ Brody gets uh, just another puck from the game. And he scored plenty of goals in his career. Well, not maybe plenty, but he scored some goals in his career. And I think he knows that his, his role is on the defensive end of the ice. And if he can get them that Stanley Cup, this puck's not going to matter all that much. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right, who's your second star of the game? Uh, I got to go with with an old reliable here and just Austin Matthews playing another just exceptional game. The guy did a really, really good job of being the offensive catalyst, and, and he didn't necessarily dominate the game. It wasn't one of those games, but he came through when it mattered. He scored that opening goal, got them on the board quickly. Um, it wasn't his typical goal either. He scored it in a goofy kind of way, shooting the puck along the ice to the far side, and Hey, you take what you can get, right? And goal scorers score score goals like that. And then he assists on that Hyman goal, and he he was the one that created that entire play. Like we I said earlier, he started in the defensive zone below his own goal line, rushed up the entire length of the ice, got the puck back from Marner, and put it on net. And then Hyman bangs in the rebound and and gets one of the the most typical Zach Hyman goals to win a game you could come by. <laughs> Oh, 100%. And, and I, I gave my second start to that whole line. I thought that, you know, Ma- Matthews, I didn't want to decipher between Matthews and Hyman, to be honest with you. So I was like, let's give it to the whole line. They, they've they played great. And, and both of them with, with two points um, on the night. Marner got an assist as well. But, you know, Zach Hyman with the game winner. Um, that line was out there killing off the final minute of the game. Hyman took a puck off the, off the leg there, off the ankle. It didn't look good for a little bit. You saw him limping uh, for like 15 or 20 seconds. And I was like, oh, no, that is the last thing 
that this team needs is a Zach Hyman injury. But uh, based on that one little burst that he made, I can't remember who had the puck at the point, but he made that burst to try and 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 attack him with the puck to get him to move it quickly. I was like, okay, maybe it was just a bit of a stinger, and he should be good to go. But uh, you know, let's let's hope that there is no long-lasting effect from that block shot because uh, it didn't look good for a little bit. So hopefully he is okay. I'm sure we'll figure it out uh, within the the next couple hours or by morning um, how much that stinger uh, is going to affect him. Uh, but regardless, uh, an absolute warrior Zach Hyman is. Matthews as well. Fantastic. And uh, Mitch Marner made some cool plays as well today. So wanted to give love to that entire top unit. And Tony, you got to roll with them the rest of the way. No, like I'm, I'm, I understand that Hyman is kind of your fixer and you shove him on whatever line you want to get going. But those three together seem to be uh, just insanely, incredibly consistent. And that's kind of what I believe this team needs is some consistent offense from at least one line the rest of the way. And I think that you keep those three intact. What do you think about that? I think, and we're probably going to get to it in a little bit with the, the Nylander situation, and it depends on his absence. I, I could see moving uh, Hyman down to the Tavares line just to give Tavares that guy on his line to do something else with it. I think Tavares is at a point now where he needs another high-octane guy, and, and when William Nylander's not there, you can put Zach Hyman in there pretty reliably, and he's at least going to provide energy for that line. But I do th- I do agree with you. I think this is the the top line going into the playoffs. Um, ideally you want them together the last seven, eight games of the season. So looking at the schedule right now, I think there's 15 games left, uh, 16 games left maybe. And you, you, if you have to move Hyman off the line for a few games, do it now and then get him back on that line going in the playoffs. Cause you want him hot going in as a Hyman fantasy owner. Shame on you. I want him to stay with the Matthews and Marner line so he can produce at the elite level that he's been producing at. Uh, That is a very selfish take of mine, but uh, I'm okay with it because it's working. And the Leafs are winning that way as well. So it's all good on all accounts. But, uh, you know, the first star of tonight's game, Jack Campbell. Yeah, I I, I think it's safe to say it's Jack. Yeah, and I actually just saw this stat, which is absolutely mind-blowing. The fur he has not lost a game in 398 days. 398 oh days. That is insane. So pretty much like one of the first games he got here, I think they they lost. It may have even been to Montreal actually. He lost that overtime game um last year before the pause and that was the last game. That he has lost. 398 days. Insane. This guy is just a machine, and he was fantastic again uh, tonight. Really kept them alive, too. Like you said, although there wasn't many high danger chances, like at least he makes the reliable saves. There are a lot of goaltenders out there, and even Freddie's been known and prone to give up the weak goal here and there. This guy doesn't give up any anything weak. Like He makes those stops that he needs to make, and you got to get some pretty good a pretty good chance or a pretty good shot on him. Like you think about the the, the first goal that beat him with Corey Perry, uh, like that was just a goal scorer's goal. Like he just first of all shouldn't have been wide open the way he was. I don't know what the heck the defense <laughs> was doing leaving him alone in the slot like that. But like 
looks like he faked a shot to go up high, opened him up a little bit five hole and slid it underneath. Like that's just a goal scorer's goal. Like that guy scored 50 in the league and he just got beat by by a, an elite lethal goal scorer. And outside of that, he made all the other stops that he had to make. And that's what makes Jack Campbell such a good and reliable goaltender, considering you look at the way that the Leafs are playing, not giving up a lot of high danger chances. It's a match made in heaven. Yeah, it really is. Like the way that he's fitting with this team recently. And I, I'm not a big guy. Like I, I'm very a stats based guy. And, and we kind of foil each other well that way, Mikey. And But one of the things that you're seeing this year with, with Jack in, in net is there's an air of calmness. There's an air of lo- like, it's almost like you can feel the love on the ice with this team when he's on the ice. And yeah. It's, it's nothing against Freddie, but there are moments in, in times where Freddie calls out the team after the game. And, and maybe it wasn't a game he should have been calling out the team for. Whereas Jack, every single time he wins, he can't stop praising the rest of his team. He, he sets a record tonight and he, lost lots all this praise onto his teammates and talks about how good this group of guys is and all that and i don't i don't know if how much i subscribe to it but man like the, the way this guy makes this team feel and the vibes he's giving off it, it, it's something different and I, I like i said earlier you ride this guy until you stop riding this guy because he's not capable of being ride road anymore and and that's just what you do and unfortunately i think that's that's the only thing that's going to cost him this starting job going forward is is just the fact that his body all season has been prone to give up on him after a couple of starts. We'll see if he can end up playing uh, the the next game um, for Toronto here. But I don't think he's made three starts in a row this season. It's usually two, night off, two, miss a month, play a game. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't yeah. been able to get a string of starts in. Um, just has has they've really managed his workload since he's been back. Uh, but who knows? Maybe he he is going to be starting some more games going forward. Hopefully he does because this team wins. Well, that's all they do. All they do is win when he starts <laughs> games. So uh, hopefully he he's able to stay healthy, stay in the net, and uh, we'll see what happens. But So those are our three stars of the game. And you kind of noted uh, when we were talking about Hyman, uh, about possibly putting him where Nylander usually goes to give Tavares someone to play with. And uh, for those who, who missed the game and missed the news that came out uh, about a couple hours before a puck drop, Nylander was held out because he was deemed as a close contact with somebody who had reportedly tested positive for COVID-19. So he didn't test positive um, despite some reports saying he did, but I think that's just people being lazy, look for clickbait, but he did not technically test positive yet. Um, And so he didn't play tonight out of a a precautionary reasons. Um, I hope that he is not positive because that would be the Leafs uh, first player to get it. And the fact that he was at morning skate today and, and you think about, kind of what happened in Vancouver and how they dealt with the whole thing. It, it just, you know, I, I a little worried about this. I don't, I don't know about you. Yeah. I think it does give me a little bit of like, Ooh, uh, like w- w- what's going to happen here. But from, from all reports that have kind of come out so far, it does seem like he came into contact with someone else who may have been positive or who, who has tested positive and, and he himself isn't positive. And it, it seems like it's, it's, the opposite of that Vancouver situation where Vancouver knew he was positive and, and put them on the ice and then pulled them off halfway through practice. 
Whereas this seems to be a little bit later in the day, something happened and in, in it's a precautionary thing. I, I really hope he's not positive. I, I think Will and Nealon is one of the more important players to, to this team and helping drive that offense, especially that second line. We, we kind of seen Tavares while he drove decent results today, you still felt like there was a lot left to give there. And I think William Nylander is the kind of straw that stirs that drink. So hopefully for his sake and for the team's sake, he's not positive, but just on the human side of things, you really hope this team doesn't get ravaged by injury or or by, by the virus, because what we're seeing in Vancouver right now, it's pretty scary because there's reports that some of the guys are experiencing pretty decent symptoms and, you never really want that because even though all these guys are young and healthy, you don't know if them or one of their family members have an underlying issue that could be serious and could be a cause for concern for them. So hopefully it's just a precautionary thing and, and we don't have to deal with too much of what Vancouver is dealing with right now. Yeah. And just real quick to touch on that, for those who don't know, um, if you'll recall, Travis Hamannick, who is on the COVID list, did test positive for COVID, actually is is one of the few guys who – uh, opted out of the the return to play last year with the Calgary Flames because he does have a children at home who I believe is high risk. I don't remember exactly uh, what the, what the child has, but is considered a high risk and and didn't want to chance it, and so decided not to return to play and uh, return this season, obviously, and ends up getting it in Vancouver. So, you know, that's one of the, the cases where you just hope that uh, that the daughter or uh, the, the child certainly didn't get the virus as well. That that would not be good. Um, and, and you kind of feel for the Hamannick family. I'm sure uh, there's some, some worrying going on uh, as they go through it. So, uh, you know, send out your positive vibes towards them. Uh, the rest of the, the Canucks, obviously, as they are experiencing some pretty tough tough times right now and, and some serious symptoms and obviously we hope that William Nylander doesn't end up testing positive for this virus um, and that he can come back in the next couple of days after a couple of uh, negative uh, negative tests and get back and, and get back to playing but um, anything else that you noticed tonight you know obviously Nylander wasn't on the ice but how did you think that that second line performed without him I, I thought they were actually pretty good and, and made a lot of uh, good plays had some good chances what were your thoughts on that second line tonight I felt like they did a, they did a lot of good, but th- there was clearly a lack of of that extra gear. Almost it was it was like they they could do the thing, but they couldn't finish it off. And and I think that's a lot was with what goes into Nylander's game is he has all that creativity and that playmaking ability and that ability to kind of push the pace of that line. And, and Alex Galchenyuk, credit to him, he he was really really good tonight, despite the fact that he didn't end up on the score sheet or anything, but. Man, like he just continues to impress me, and I know we talked about it earlier in the year, where like, maybe he is a guy that that you look at and you you don't need that forward up front. And, but I think as we're kind of seeing with, with Nylander out of the lineup, you you want that extra forward so that you don't have to take Hyman, Nylander, and, and or Hyman, Matthews, and Marner away from each other. I don't know whether it's a big fish or a little fish. I I do think there's going to be help coming up front, and I don't know who it's going to be, but. That, that second line looked good, but not good enough, quite frankly, I, I think, at the end of the day. Uh, and with that, let's let's kind of put a put a bow on tonight's game. Um, and let's take a, one more quick break. And then when we come back, let's get to some trade speculation and see maybe what the Leafs need to do. If they need to add someone in the top six, get your thoughts on uh, what the Maple Leafs need to do. And also the Islanders and Devils coming to an agreement on a big-time trade. And we'll see what kind of waves that could send as the first domino of trade season falls. And we'll talk about all of that when we return here on the Locked on Leafs podcast. 
RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and to choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write locked on on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Welcome back to the Locked On These Podcast. Mike DiStefano with you. Alongside me, we've got Tony Ferrari. Uh, trade season is officially underway, Tony. The first big trade has gone down, and it's Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac heading from the Devils to the Islanders. So not a not a far trip, actually, from Jersey to Long Island. So not a not a far trip for them. They could probably... Take a taxi if they really wanted to. Might cost you a little bit of money, but you could do it, if not a subway. Uh, but for a package that pretty much sums up to to a first-round pick, um, there, there's some uh, lower-level prospects uh, and uh, a conditional fourth as well that could become a third-rounder if the Islanders make the cup final. Uh, your first impressions of this deal? Uh, it's a deal that kind of makes a lot of sense. When you look at the the injury to Anders Lee, you, you get some scoring in there with, with Kyle Palmieri and you get a center in there that in Kyle's or Travis Ajak, who's just a reliable guy. He's not what he was in his prime. He's not going to go out there and kind of lead the team anywhere, but he's going to be able to kind of bring a, a good presence in that locker room. A guy who's been there. He's won things. Um, I think it's a good trade for the Islanders. And, and like I said, they gave up a first round pick. They, they got New Jersey to retain 50% salary on both guys, if I'm not mistaken. And like you said, it was a couple lower end prospects that are, they're guys. They're, it's nothing really all that important, but that, that other pick, the fourth, that could be a third. Sure. It's a lottery ticket, but that first round pick, it, it's a valuable piece for, for New Jersey. But again, at the end of the day, they got two good players for that first round pick and, and two players that, like I said, they're not going to be franchise changing. They're not going to completely replace Anders Lee, but they do fill roles that that were vacated when Anders Lee got hurt. Yeah, I, I love this trade, and I predicted Palmieri um, to the Islanders earlier today on the Locked On NHL podcast. We, uh, Tony, uh, or sorry, Joe DiBiase and I do the the uh, Tuesday episode. So I guess we did it late last night. It came out early this morning, but uh, we do uh, we did the East and North division preview for the trade deadline and I said like yeah everyone's talking about like Taylor Hall potentially going to the Islanders but I don't know if that would be a good fit my thought process was a guy like Palmieri would fit much better with with the way that Barry Trotz likes to play and then they were able to to make that happen just a few hours later and add a guy like Travis Zajac a, a pretty solid um, you know at this point probably a bottom six centerman but someone who adds depth to their uh, to, to that lineup and and it only cost him a first round pick. And I believe it was you actually that wrote an article about kind of the devaluing of first round picks this season due to COVID. Yep, yep I did. And and honestly, like I said, it's a good, good year to trade your first round pick and, and getting the value that they got. Like I said, they got two guys who can fill spots in the lineup. 
kind of add something that they they lost. And in like I said, Paul Palmieri is one of those guys that he's just so good at scoring goals. And yes, this isn't his best year ever, but if this guy gets hot, he could be a real difference maker for a team that doesn't have that necessary high end talent outside of a couple guys in Barzal. Um, moving along a little bit and just kind of thinking of what type of ripple effect that this trade can make. Um, do you think that this potentially allows the Sabres to get that first rounder for Taylor Hall? Like, does this have any impact on what the Sabres may be able to get for Hall or are those kind of two different things? I, I think they're going to be two different things just because of how unique that Buffalo situation is right now. It, it's such a weird kind of dumpster fire situation. Like they've won a couple games recently. I, I think they're actually even on a five game point streak, weirdly enough, uh, coming off that 18 they game are. losing streak. Three Oh and but, two. Yeah. It, it's a weird, I mean, it's the Buffalo Buffalo Sabres in a weird year, baby. Like, let's go. But it's a weird thing. I think Taylor Hall is still going to be a guy that gets coveted. I think he's going to get traded. I don't think there's any doubt about that. What he gets in return is going to be interesting. The closer we get to the deadline, maybe there's a couple more teams bidding or or maybe there's teams that kind of find their guy elsewhere the way the New York Islanders did. So it's going to be interesting to see who's kind of at the table at the end of the day and, and who eventually lands the former heart winner of only a couple of years ago. Um, let's move on and chat a little bit about the Toronto Maple Leafs and kind of see, uh, get your thoughts on what the Leafs maybe should do ahead of the deadline. If you could make a priority list of, of kind of positions that you would want the Leafs to fill, what would your list look like if you were Kyle Dubas? It it would probably be a a middle six forward, uh, a second pairing defenseman, maybe if I could really in, in yeah, I still think defense is a really intriguing spot to add. Um, I mentioned it last time we kind of talked about this, where if you do add a defenseman for more than this year, you can kind of make that side deal with Hyman, hopefully, and, and, and mm-hmm. keep him that way. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, but I, I honestly do think that after tonight, we, we saw the lineup without William Nylander. I'd like to see them add another forward up there. I love Ilya Mikheyev, but Ilya Mikheyev is a, I mean, <laughs> he's this is the nicest thing in the world. He's he is an elite just... third liner. He really is. Who's... But anytime he's higher in the lineup, it's a concern. He's allergic to scoring goals. Like that's, that's Ilya Mikheyev legitimately allergic to scoring goals. Um, yeah. So what you obviously did not mention was goaltender. Maybe I, I somewhat rudely cut you off because I was caught off guard by by a top four goal, by a top four defenseman. Just I guess the reason why I thought I was kind of surprised is is because I think that Justin Hall has actually rebounded. Like he started off the season yep. really well and then went through a little bit of a lull um, as the team went through their lull about halfway through the year. And then more recently, um, I, I've really liked what ta- what uh, Justin Hall has done. He's he's not making uh, as many mistakes, and he's kind of been much more steady, like we saw earlier in the year, which is why I was, I guess, a little bit uh, caught off guard when you said they need to add another top four defenseman, maybe another depth defenseman, like a a six, seven, eight kind of guy. Totally on board for that. But if you're going out looking for a top four guy, um, that would be like your your one move that you could make, and I, I feel like I would rather the Leafs go elsewhere with a move, probably as a as a top six forward um, or a third line winger, even um, ahead of a, another four, three or four defenseman. That that's kind of the way that I'm looking at the deadline. 
Yeah, I think if you do go for a defenseman, like I said, you have to go for a guy that is going to be a, a real difference maker. That's why I said top four. If you're if you're getting a guy, you're you're wanting to make sure you're loaded on that back end. You're not you're not worrying about a, a Marincin or you're not you're not trying to add a guy like a, a Zach Bogosian. You have your Zach Zach Bogosian. Right. I, I I see a lot of kind of ideas out there. If oh, let's go add Eric Branson or some of these other guys, and I'm just like he is not a good defenseman. Like, let's not do that. <laughs> and it, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're going to make that addition on the back end, I think you have to make an impact. I, I don't know if you, you add that depth because Rasmus Sandin's getting healthy. I think T- Timothy Lilligren's taking a really big step this year. I think he could be a real, uh, a legitimate fill in at the NHL level if, if needed, especially on a short-term basis. So I think you have depth on that back end. I think if you want to add someone there, it would be an impact guy, but I, I'm with you. I prefer to add up front. I, I think you do add that guy that's going to play on that second or third line, make an impact on the wing. You don't, if you can add a third line center, maybe, I guess, but I I think weirdly enough, despite the the name value, not necessarily maybe being there outside. I mean, I can't even really say that because Joe Thornton and and Jason Spezza have pretty big name value (laughs) in their play on your fourth line. So it, you add that that extra punch up front. I think that's a really important spot to add because, like I said, you see tonight with that William Nylander, and, and there is something missing almost in that middle of the lineup. So I don't want to take Hyman off that top line, and, and that's partially what kind of pushes me towards that that middle six winger, preferably. Are there any names out there on the market that you're kind of targeting for the Maple Leafs here? Alex Alifal is a really interesting one. I think he, he'd be a really interesting ad um one of the other guys that i think would be kind of interesting and and this is completely dependent on how the st louis blues kind of go about things and and how things are going with them right now because they're in and out of the playoffs they don't really know what they're doing but i I think david perron could be a really underrated sneaky ad that no Mm -hmm. one's really talking about yeah i don't think the blues are a team that's openly selling but I think if you're willing to give a, a decent asset, he's a guy that could make an impact on, on that second, third line. And he's been a guy that I think everyone's kind of been waiting for him to fall off and he's just never done it yet. So um, he's not necessarily super old by any means. It, it, if I'm not mistaken, he's on a shorter term deal. I don't think he has much term left. Got one more um, year. Think, yeah. One more year yeah. left at $4 million. So, so retain Sally would have to be involved there most likely, mm-hmm. but I, I think he'd be an interesting piece and, and, and then if you lose them at the expansion draft, you, you're likely not paying that much because this year isn't going to be a year where I think the sellers really have the advantage. As, as we've seen in that New Jersey, uh, New York Islanders trade, it's it's a buyer's market, it seems. So take advantage of that. Certainly. And, and it's funny that you mentioned uh, David Perron because I, I think there was a report out there that said the St. Louis Blues kind of are putting a couple of guys out on the market, more so their UFAs. But uh, Mike Hoffman and Tyler Bozak were two players who have been uh, rumored to be thrown out there in trade discussions, potentially even a Jaden Schwartz who's uh, coming up for a a renewal, um, a UFA. And Jaden Schwartz is an interesting player to me. Plays the left side, could definitely play up in the top six. I don't know what it would cost to get a player of his caliber. Probably would be similar to what it would cost to get a guy like Taylor Hall. Uh, But Jaden Schwartz to me is an interesting piece that's not being talked about a lot. But if guys like Bozak and Hoffman are reportedly out there, maybe even Schwartz could be had for the right price. Oh, that just brings a smile to my face. Jaden Schwartz has been one of my favorite underrated players in the league for such a long time. Me too. If the Leafs could get him, imagine that second line. You have that first line of Hyman, uh, Matthews, Marner, and then you throw out 
uh, Schwartz, Tavares, and Nylander on the second line. Those are two legit scoring lines that could be just hell for teams to play against. I- I'm a really big fan of that deal, and n- now I have a new favorite target, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I-, I legitimately like hadn't thought about Jaden Schwartz until I saw this report earlier about Hoffman and Bozak. So I went to Cap Friendly, and, you know, like most people do, like, okay, well, how much is their contract? What do they got left on the deals? It was, okay, they're both UFAs, so that makes sense. But then there's another UFA that's on this team in Jaden Schwartz. So that's kind of where I got that from. And uh, I think that would be a, a really interesting, interesting piece. Um, in terms of what the Leafs have to give up, it, it sounds like, Dubis is is willing to move some picks and prospects to get trades done to to go all in kind of and make a run this year. But who are some guys who you think are more likely to be dealt? It doesn't sound like Robertson or Sandine are guys that Dubis wants to move. But maybe who are some players that you'd be willing to make those big splashes for out there if they're available? I think unless you're getting a legit guy, like I, I think. You're, you're probably going to be avoid being able to avoid the, those top guys this year. And I think we've already kind of seen reports about that, where it, it may not be a Sandine or a Robertson that, that go out. It may be someone a little bit lower on the, the totem pole. And, and I think a couple guys that kind of are really interesting to me are uh, there's obviously Tim, Timothy Lilligren. Everyone's going to talk about him. He's the guy that everyone kind of talks about, but I, I think Kyle Zubis has an affinity for him and I think he wants to keep him in the fold. I, I think he's a guy that he really likes and in values as a future asset. So I think it'd be tough to pry him out of the hands of Dubas, but I think a guy like Topi Nimala, who we got in the trade for, or we got, he was the second of the two picks we got when we traded with Ottawa at the draft and they selected Tyler Clevin and we got two players better than Tyler Clevin. So <laughs> it was a really nice deal for us, but Topi Nimla was a guy that we got at that 64th pick and he was the top defender at the world juniors this year. He's a, a young finished defenseman. He plays a really well-rounded game, but he kind of profiles similarly to Rasmus Sandin, despite being a right-handed shot. It's kind of one of those things where you look at your prospect pool and you go, okay, we, we maybe have a bit of a, of a redundancy here. We, we don't need both guys long-term or, or we're willing to sacrifice one of the guys. And with Nimla kind of profiling the same way, he's the guy and the guy that I look at as maybe that prospect trade ship that goes out the door to, to acquire someone like one of the St. Louis guys that we were talking about or, or someone else along the lines of a Kyle Palmieri that now is in New York. That's really interesting, and and I believe you said tomorrow you have uh, an article coming out on the Leafs Nation Network uh, detailing uh, a little bit more in some of these prospects that could be available? Uh, yeah, myself and Nick Richard, uh, we, we kind of combined on some prospect stuff there at the, the Leafs Nation, and we've got an article coming out with uh, about 12, 12 to 13 names, 10 that go really in-depth with a few honorable mentions, of got the mid-level prospects that, that could get dealt by the Leafs. We, you kind of look at things in... I don't think, that, like I said, I don't think this is a year that's going to really favor the seller. So the buyers are going to be able to take advantage of that, maybe avoid trading out those top prospects. In this list of guys, like like I said, Topi Nemo, Ronnie Hervin, and the other guy we got in that trade, uh, Philip Hollander, the guy we got in the trade with with the first round pick for Kaplan. Oh, there's a few guys like that that, oh man, that trade's one of my favorite. But there's a few guys like that that you think maybe could be parts of a deal that could go out somewhere. Uh, depending on how big the fish you're getting is, maybe it's a, a second round pick in one of these guys. Maybe it's the first round pick in one of these guys if you're going really big fish hunting. So it's going to be interesting to see what Dubas does, but I think it's that mid-tier of prospects that he's going to deal from and not necessarily the top shelf. 
All right. I got one guy. You got to tell me if he's on your list. I'll be really upset if it happens. He's a man from my hometown. He has become best friends with Joe Thornton. Is Matt Hollowell on your list? Matt Hollowell is on the list, but I will preface it and I'll, I'll tease it a little bit. He's on the list, but he's very much not fully on the list. Like we, <laughs> we talk about it when we go in, into it. And uh, he was actually one of the guys I, I, I wrote about. And the thing with Matt Hollowell is because of the profile that he has, he's kind of a small puck moving defenseman, doesn't really have the gumption, doesn't really have the the the, the big fucking, the bruised shoulders that, that a lot of teams want. So it's kind of going to be one of those situations where he could be a, a valuable piece for some teams and other teams could see him as completely useless and nothing that they would want. So he's kind of one of those guys that maybe if a team doesn't want Miko Kokanen because they prefer a, a little bit more of a, a slicker puck mover, maybe that's who they kind of lean towards in a deal like that. Well, just uh, what do we got? Less than a week, five days, four days, depending on when you're listening to this, I suppose, until the trade deadline. Toronto hasn't done anything yet, um, but are expected to be really, really active at the deadline. I think I saw um, TSN Saravalli say that the Leafs are, are his like top buyers at the deadline. So we'll see if the uh, buyers turns into actually like actually buying because we've heard this before where, yeah, they're interested, but then ultimately nothing gets done. And when it comes to the trade deadline this year, and we'll probably end it after this, do you think we're going to see a busy deadline? Like, how do you think this is all going to shake out in this COVID deadline season? I I really didn't think we were going to have much of a busy deadline. I I still don't know how busy it's going to be, but now that we're kind of seeing teams get their players vaccinated, like I I think a team that would have been a big player Vancouver isn't going to be there anymore. We're we're, obviously they're out of commission right now. I don't think any team's going to be dealing with them during the deadline because they're not going to be cleared up by then, quite frankly. So it's going to be interesting to see just an entire team taken out of the, the, the loop. That was probably going to be a team that could sell a few pieces like Tanner Pearson. Um, but well, I thought I the Leafs we're, we're, actually could be interested in. I think Tanner Pearson would be a solid option for the Leafs if you're looking for that middle six winger. Yeah, exactly. And, and with them kind of out of the picture, now you're looking at other teams. And does Calgary get involved? Do they take advantage of some of their guys that they, they maybe want to change the culture there? Maybe they make a big surprise move. It, it's not out of uh, Calgary's nature to do it in the past. They've done it before. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what other teams kind of get involved. Um with more vaccines coming out, especially in the States, we're seeing teams get their players vaccinated. Maybe that eases things a little bit in terms of what teams can deal with who. And and it's going to be just a weird year because we're probably going to have a ton of guys, especially coming to Canada, that are going to have to go through quarantines and, and be out of the lineup for an extended period of time right after they dealt to the team. So how much do you want to spend on a guy that maybe you only get for 12 games or 10 games before the playoffs? Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. It's 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 a weird year. I mean, it's been weird for everything. The entire world has been different. And while the trade deadline is uh, also going to be along the same lines of uh, unconventional, like most things have been in, uh, in this COVID pandemic year, uh, I guess it's rolling on two years now. It's been over a year since the pandemic really hit, unfortunately. But uh, 
You know what? Let's let's end that conversation right here before we go down a dark path about COVID. So <laughs> let's end that podcast. Um, I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Lease podcast on all podcasts and platforms to receive daily lease content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Lockdown Lease. Follow Tony at the Tony Ferrari. And uh, Tony. I know we talked about you got a, a, an article coming out tomorrow about the Maple Leafs, but you also wrote a really fascinating piece about Rasmus Dahlin as well that came out earlier today. Yeah, I, I did a, a big dive into Rasmus Dahlin. It's up on DauberProspects.com right now. It's called The Good, The Bad, The Buffalo. And, and basically what it is is I, I watched eight games from his draft year, his rookie year, and then this year, and I, I tried to figure out what happened. Because you look at the numbers and, and I, I go into a statistical breakdown as well, as well as just a raw film scouting breakdown of his three years there. And you see changes in his game, more hesitation. He's kind of taken himself out of his element. And a lot of that has to do with the systems in, in Buffalo. And I think it's really interesting that now that we've seen Ralph Kruger go leave the team, there's some life coming to Rasmus Allian's game. You're seeing him be more active. And I, I purposely kind of watched those games before I really put this out there because this thing was ready to go on Monday, but he was having a little bit of a hot streak. So I wanted to see how that lasted. And, and even the last night, right before I put the, the article out, he had a really good game. Might've been his best game of the season. So maybe a lot of the things that I kind of talk about in that article are starting to happen already, but nevertheless, it's really fun to fun to dive into. It's a big article. It's got tons of video, tons of stats, tons of breakdown, uh, lots of charts to help kind of understand where I'm coming from on a lot of things. And it, it's one of my favorite pieces I've written all year. So definitely go check that out on dauberprospects.com. Yeah, certainly go check that out. Um, I, I I read it. It's fantastic. And, you know, hopefully he is able to turn it around now that he's got a, a new and different coach and a different approach that he can take uh, this season. Because, like, this guy had so, so much promise, so much promise coming into the year. And, uh, well, if you want to figure out what exactly happened, Tony's got the answer. And you can go check that out on Dauber Prospects. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's show. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast for myself and for the Locked On hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Um, and by the way, I put out a new mailbag. So if you guys want a question asked on the podcast from the mailbag, make sure you go to my Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Find the tweet, reply to it with the question, whether it's about the Leafs, whether it's about myself, Overdrive, you you have some relationship advice, which I probably couldn't give because I'm awful at those things. But whatever, you can ask me anything you want, and I'll be answering them uh, either on uh, Friday or most likely I'll put it out Monday because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of trade deadline questions. So I'll put it out Monday before uh, the deadline comes, and I'll kind of be also kind of a trade deadline preview as well. So go check it out on my Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Uh, find the tweet and reply to it and get your questions in. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.